to freak you out by actually being on the ball today? <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay. I think I I actually did fuck up the times because oh, really? yeah, because I'm looking back at my calendar and I, I mean, shy of four or five days, it's been three months since we've recorded on Sunday. So oh, I had to go yeah. back to the beginning of September, and you know what time it says on my phone? 8.30 to 11, not 9.30, uh, not 8.30 to 10, rather, instead of 9.30 to 11. Maybe we did it an hour earlier that day for some reason. I don't know. Uh, all right, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 9, Episode 4, Running with the Bulls. Before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, A Disturbance in the Kitchen. We only had one little thing we wanted to look up, a phrase that Larry says that I was familiar with, but I never really knew what it meant. And so we thought this was a good occasion to get to the bottom of it. He says to... Salman Rushdie, when he said when he he's explaining all the good things about the fatwa, women find it attractive. You'll get fatwa sex, and you can cancel any plans for just that reason. Oh, sorry, I can't do it. Fatwa. Larry says this is like the fatwa life of Riley, and I thought that referred to the many <laughs> movies and stage shows and television shows and books called the life of Riley, but it is not. It's just an expression in and of itself, meaning a luxurious, carefree life. The American phrase first appeared in the 1900s. There's some suggestion that the idea of a gentleman named Mr. Riley enjoying a luxurious, easy life is suggested in several earlier vaudeville songs, although the phrase living the life of Riley appears slightly later. So whoever Riley is or was was a mystery until, I don't know, I don't know when they discovered this, but they they found this guy, Sir Charles Duffy, who was talking about this song about a guy named Riley the hero of a once famous American comic song in the 1800s by Pat Rooney, Is That Mr. Riley, in which the title character describes what he would do if he suddenly became wealthy. And so this guy, Sir Charles Duffy, said, like every family in Ireland knew this song. All the nurses and seamstresses would sing it constantly, and it preserved in popularity. And here's some of the lyrics. Oh, rise up, Willie Riley, and come along with me. I mean to go with you and leave this country to leave my father's dwelling, his houses and free land. And that's, I don't know, I, the end of that phrase. I don't, that's all I found. No, uh, some okay. people think it comes from a real guy named Willie Riley from Sligo, Ireland. But the country of origins for the phrase is the USA. Living the life of Riley first showed up in the early 1900s in print in a New Jersey newspaper. The news saying, Henry Mungersdorf is living the life of Riley just at present. <laughs> and there were no quotes around, which would imply like nobody was familiar with it. So that means the life of Riley was probably already popular, at least among the people of New Jersey, during that time that you could use it in a newspaper and not explain what you meant. Uh, during World War I, it spread across U.S. training camps as British sol soldiers wrote home using the phrase. And by the 1940s, it was popular enough, the phrase was popular enough to be used as the title of the comedy series, The Life of Riley. IMDb even says, this is what Larry was referring to. There's that little connection section of every episode. Yeah. And it says, The Life of Riley, uh, referenced by Larry David you know, during the show. Um, it was initially a popular radio comedy series, then it was adapted into a feature film in 1949, and, and then here's what happens in the TV show. Riley, paid by, played by Jackie Gleason, works in an aircraft plant in California, but viewers usually saw him at home cheerfully disrupting life with his malapropisms and ill-timed intervention into minor problems. 
I mean, oh, it sounds like Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. He says and does the wrong things <laughs> and takes minor problems to the extreme. <laughs> you're not going to get um, this. His... You're not going to believe this. It's a show where he makes every problem about himself and is always doing and saying the wrong things. His stock answer to every turn of fate became a catchphrase. What a revolting development this is! Which I know I've heard before. <laughs> that's, I know I've that, heard that's that. That's not a catchphrase. <laughs> what a revolting development this is! Applause for 10 minutes. <laughs> Philip Morris cigarette commercial. And now back to Life of Riley. <laughs> Just throw in a bazinga and I think we've uh, made it very modern. I probably, you know, that sounds like something that Looney Tunes appropriated. I feel like I've heard Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck going, "What a revolting development this is." That uh, sounds. Now that I think about it, that sounds yeah. accurate. <laughs> but little did I know they were referencing the life of Riley. But who knows what Larry David meant by it? Whether he was referencing the TV show and didn't know it was an idiom beforehand. But now you know that the idiom came before the television show or movie or anything like that. Even Charles Nelson Riley. His stage show, his autobiographical stage show is called The Life of Riley. Like, of course, why wouldn't it be? If your name's Riley, it's right there. Uh, so I hope that answered a little bit of uh, questions that nobody had about it except me, really, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, now we know. Now we know. I probably won't. I probably will start saying it. That's what always happens with me. I'm like, well, I'm never going to say that. And I'll say, wow, it's like The Life of Riley. Ugh, man. <laughs> and then everyone looks at you. Why like, did I say what are, you, what are you talking about? Who's Riley? <laughs> Who's Riley? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, the scene with the restaurant manager and then chef regarding the disturbance was Larry's restaurateur and actor friend Michael E. Perry's idea. Michael E. Perry is a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu Culinary School and worked as a chef for many years. And there were many disturbances in the kitchen when Perry was a chef, according to this <sighs> trivia entry by IMDb. I know. But... It will not be the last idea Michael contributes to Curb. So that's why I mentioned it here. I guess Larry's got this buddy who maybe this is where like the restaurant storyline came in. You know, Larry's restaurant tour buddy. Who, he hasn't really been in anything that Larry has done or, you know, I, I don't even think he has a Curb credit except that he's given Larry a couple ideas for the show. So I'll try to uh, hopefully hopefully this pays off because I, I don't even remember at this point what the other thing Michael contributed to Curb is but you know we'll, we'll see if i remember when it comes back up <laughs> a little bit of a i don't think this well uh, this is a continuity error but it doesn't have anything to do with something larry said before and then goes back on in later episodes but when ted's tesla is first shown it is a newer model s with the updated front fascia according to Ooh, okay. uh, imdb later when larry's driving it it's an older model s yeah so they switched it out for the driving scenes i guess and that's it all right. Uh, any other news or anything? Yeah, you think there'd be something, but I, we did yeah, just kind of do this. Yeah. yeah. Any, uh, I mean, you already did the, the continuity error. Um, all yeah. right. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 21 minutes <laughs> being exclusively research and bullshit. But we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last six years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter, at no hugging underscore no learning on Instagram, or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. You know what's really gonna fuck me up is what? we're still gonna be doing 
season nine into 2024. So mm. <laughs> halfway through the season, I'm going to have to go from you not <laughs> seeing these episodes in the last six years to not seeing these episodes <laughs> in the last seven years. And then yeah. every every season after that, it's going to be, oh, it's 2024 now. So I'll have to add a year. <laughs> if you like us, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review over on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. If you've already done that, maybe you've told all your friends that you like the show, that they should be listening to it as well. You can join us over on Patreon and support us over there where you can join us for free for seven days. After that, it's just five bucks a month for early and extended access to every single episode. I think I'm saying that wrong. Early access to extended versions of the episodes. It Extended access sounds, sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> It, I mean, the access will extend for as long as yeah. you want it to. <laughs> as, until you quit paying us. That's, that's, that's for sure. Um, yeah, early access to extended versions of the episodes. And it also gives you a better way to get a hold of us, to message us, which, Tim, is what Wrecker did. Shout out to Wrecker. We'll get through all the uh, Patreon shout outs in a second. Who says uh, a little um, insight onto... A, an idea that we threw out a couple of weeks mm. ago. Wrecker says, Hey guys, I just got done listening to the latest episode. I think it would be a great idea to do podcasts of season 12 in real time for Patreon. From what I remember in season 11, I wouldn't think anything that happened in that season would carry over in season 12. Larry may mention the plot briefly, if anything, but great idea, and I can't wait for more brand new Curb episodes. So, it, it sounds like... Uh, sounds like Wrecker's on board with uh, season 12 being done in real time. Yeah. Does this mean we would have to watch two episodes in a week? I think it might. And do two different <laughs> records? <laughs> yeah. I, I, th I think it might. But then once we finish up season 11, uh, we wouldn't have to do any recording for know. the episode. We could just record like maybe, I don't know, updated intros and outros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Larry David dies, and we're still like, oh, wow, what a great episode this is. Like, no mention of it. <laughs> L Larry actually gets fatwad or something. We're like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, all right. I mean, that's that's well, one we'll, country we'll, heard from. Yeah, we'll take it into consideration. But again, uh, let's uh, give a shout out to all the people who joining joining us over on Patreon. We got Liam M, Michael Klatsky, Wrecker, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Again, thank you guys so much. Patreon.com/slash No Hugging if you want to join them. But that's not the only way people can support the podcast, Tim, right? That's right. You can start your own podcast on Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Just go to Libsyn.com, start your podcast using the promo code HUGGING. You get up to two months free, and we get a little, uh, you know, we get a little off the top from Libsyn for you starting a podcast with the, the company that is the only place I've ever done a podcast. We have done now... You're listening to episode 258 that we've done solely on Libsyn. If you want your Ew. podcast to be... What's that? Ew. <laughs> episode 258? Goddamn. I know. Um, if, yeah, if you want your podcast to be everywhere podcasts are, like you say, like all the podcast hosts, you know, find it wherever you get your podcast. Libsyn will do that for you. You just have to like click a couple buttons and, and maybe input some text and then boom, you're on Spotify, you're on iHeart, you're on Apple, you're on Google. Uh, yeah, YouTube even, they'll help you out with that. 
so go to Libsyn.com. Use the promo code HUGGING. Get up to two months free when you start your podcast journey with Libsyn. All of that being said, Season 9, Episode 4, Running with the Bulls. Original air date, October 22nd, 2017. And if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry's therapist accuses him of overstepping, comma, Susie grows suspicious of Jeff, and Larry bribes an usher at a funeral. Interesting. I mean, all I, of that happens. I feel like the last 66% of it are not important to any plot points. <laughs> I was going to say, especially the last one. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's definitely not a, a core memory I have of this episode. No, it doesn't even lead directly to an important plot point. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see if we can make that out. And then the middle part, the Susie part is very hilarity in Sue's. Susie, tell me an episode where Susie is not suspicious of Jeff. You can't. I mean, that just that just happens every episode. It's like Larry maybe gets like, into awkward maybe situations. Like episode one or something. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, we could probably make it better when we get to the end. We'll definitely try. Uh, so we open with Larry at his therapist, and he's talking to Dr. Brian Cranston. If only he used that name and it was just actually <laughs> Brian Cranston. But hey, I'm a therapist in this universe. That'd be, that'd be very funny. Yeah, my name is Brian Cranston. I'm not an actor. I'm a therapist. Uh, Breaking Bad, by the way, had been off the air since 2013. So four oh, years post-Breaking oh. Bad. I know. Oh, <laughs> Just no. still enjoying all of the weird stats about the six-year break and everything. That... Oh, so, I hate yeah. that. That's my, that's my least favorite one that we've done. That's my... <laughs> Why? And... Because, man, I was so into Breaking Bad. I mean, I was so into Community when we had Jim Rash on the show last oh, yeah. week. <laughs> and I, I think it's because, I, I don't know, I, I put Breaking Bad as being later on in TV history than it was. I know, I know. It's weird. to th- It started in 08, I think. And, and there was only the five seasons? I think I don't remember. They they definitely ended it like at a good time, and definitely yeah. ended it before it got to be too off the rails. I mean, season five was definitely not as good as season four, but and they uh, and they took a lo- you know they were doing shorter seasons and they were taking longer breaks in between. I remember that being a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it till it was you know I don't know it was like two or three years ago that we went through and binged it all. But I remember that being big. They were like, yeah, it's going to be split into two. They're going to take six months in between and. And, and all that stuff. They were really trying to milk. AMC was really trying to milk the last little bit of Breaking Bad and Mad Men, which I think ended around the same time. Yeah, well, they knew what they had. And they're like, oh, yeah. we, we, can't, we can't say goodbye to it yet. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, all right, fine. We'll do six Walking Dead shows. Everything's going to be Walking Dead. We're, we're changing our name from AMC to TWD. That's it. It's just the Walking Dead Network. <laughs> okay, so we're not even into the scene yet because we're, we're still marveling at Brian Cranston being... Uh, uh, on you know, involved in the Seinfeld cinematic universe because, of course, he played a dentist in Seinfeld, and now I guess so. Is it is it maybe a fun headcanon to think that this guy went from dental work to now? Because I don't, I think we knew his. Oh, Tim Watley. So yeah. it's definitely not Tim Watley. We know this guy's name is not Tim Watley. Maybe he changed his name because he got Ooh. into the meth business as a dentist, he, or maybe he was he, like selling a nitrous gas and then had maybe, to get out of it and change his he name. Did go, he did go from New York to L.A. Yeah, that's true too. That's that's a long way. So there we go. We wrote a fun little Breaking Bad style uh, theory, <laughs> fan theory that he was selling nitrous, you know, to to people, and then the deals went bad, and he, you know, had to hightail it and become a therapist. 
to Larry David. And Larry is explaining a recurring dream that he has where he's in heaven and there's 71 virgins there. And he thinks there should be 72. So maybe he miscounted and he's so distracted by the fact that there's maybe one missing virgin. It's weird that like, why is he thinking that he's going to be a martyr who go because that's like, uh, you know, an, an Islamic thing, like the 72 virgins in heaven. Why does he why is does he think he gets 72 I... virgins when he goes to heaven? I have no idea. I was so confused <laughs> on this. And I'm like, yeah. what did Larry do to yeah. think that he is going to be a martyr? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. But I mean, it obviously plays into the whole fatwa thing, but he doesn't even mention that angle of it. We just get into the 72 virgins right away. The doctor does start an analysis of the dream. And he's like, oh, wow. This, you know, so you do. And Larry, sto- Larry stops him. Well, actually, the doctor stops because he can tell Larry is preoccupied with something. And that something is the disparity in the chairs. The doctor has a really nice chair, according to Larry. And the patient is given a very uncomfortable chair to sit in that Larry has to be. And and he wonders why the doctor gave himself such a great chair and why the the other person gets such a horrible chair. And (laughs) the I love this line that Larry says, can I be honest with you? And the doctor goes, well, I hope you're honest with me all the time. And Larry goes, well, I'm often never honest with you, but <laughs> that was so funny that he pays an ungodly amount to go in and lie to his therapist. Which is a very well, Larry almost, David thing to do. No, totally. Because he, he wants, because if he, if he said his true thoughts, like, first of all, they'd probably call the police. But second of all, the therapist might not think he's a good person. And so Larry, yeah, of course, exactly. is going to warp everything into him being a good person. Well, I'm often never honest with you, but I have to say, um, and Larry invites him to go chair shopping. You, if you want to go chair shopping yeah. anytime, you give me a call. I, I want to bring this up real quick because I, I thought it was weird how they did go the angle of, we don't know his name yet, the therapist, saying, yeah. oh, I've never noticed a disparity in the chairs. I'm like, you, you could very easily say like, well, no, there's a disparity in the chairs. I'm sitting in mine for nine hours a day. You're sitting oh. in that one for 50 minutes once That's a week. That's a good point. Yeah. So, like, of course, plus, he's going to have a better chair. Of course, he's going to have a comfier chair. You also, yeah, and I did check it out, and, it, and everyone, uh, he, he does say, like, you're the first and only person who's ever mentioned that who has had a problem with that chair who says it's uncomfortable. So, I'm sure when he did buy the chair, it was, I'm sure he tested it out and was like, yeah, this is comfy. This is fine. Yeah, um, but and yeah, he just I agree got with you. one yeah. that kind of, but maybe kind of complimented it, but it, it definitely doesn't compliment his chair. Um, no, no. Because Larry's is like white, this like white modern kind of, yeah. And his is like an old giant brown leather (laughs) armchair kind of thing. Yeah. So they don't match at all. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it was a a cheapness move or something like that. And uh, also Larry gives him more unsolicited advice that he has to check his watch to see if the session's over. And Larry's like, hey, probably, you know, you got to sneak. You got to do a sneaky look. He's like, I wasn't doing a sneaky look. I was looking at my watch and I see the time is up. And Larry's like, why don't you put a clock? behind me behind this chair so that you can look at it without the patient thinking anything is uh, is wrong it doesn't seem like the session was this contentious as it was happening but it's certainly a very contentious end to the session yes um, <laughs> yes and, very very yeah. angry very contentious yeah just a huge argument uh, to end the session and Larry asks him, you know, what is going on? They talk, start talking about their weekend plans. And the doctor is very excited because this is the week that he and his wife go to a different restaurant every night because it's truffle season and they love truffles. 
And just to get one last little dig in, Larry, you know, tells him, you know what, if you ever want to get rid of me as a patient, just say, I want to get rid of you, and and that'll be okay. Like, what a weird thing to say, (laughs) what a horrible thing to say to, you have to break up with me, but please do it. I'm begging you, I'm daring you to, you know, it was like, uh, it was really, (laughs) that was maybe the most contentious thing that he said the whole time. It'll be okay. And, And even as he leaves, the doctor lets out like this sigh of relief, like, I forget what he says, good Lord, or something like that. Either uh, like, good the, lord, or oh god, or something. Yeah. So over at the Culver Gallery, which I think is fake, from what I could see, it I don't know, I, it looked like maybe a, a CGI sign or something like that. I could also find, there is a Culver City Arts District that has a few galleries. None of them look like this, so uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm calling fakey. Fakey Culver Gallery on this one, <laughs> but they have they have an event uh, an event there called Richard Lewis: A Life in Pictures, and they are showing and not to sound too pretentious, Ted, but Richard Lewis's paintings. I don't know if these are his real works or not, but they look like a bunch of Mark Rothko ripoffs. Like Mark Rothko has those like two or three color like kind of faded around the edges, just like like flags hanging vertically. Like that's the Rothko style and people love him for whatever reason, but that's a lot of Richard Lewis's stuff just looks like that. So I don't know if he really paints or what. I, I guess I'll have to put that in. Uh, I'm going to put that in homework. Richard Lewis painter. Yeah, I, I would be um, uh, I'd be interested to know if yeah. he actually does paint or not. Yeah, because they're very derivative, if you ask me. I mean, I'm no art, I'm no art <laughs> scholar, but um, but because I even know Rothko's name, I was like. Just looks like a bunch of Rothko ripoffs. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, and and Larry is, uh, you know, thinks Richard is being a little pretentious in and of himself. One of the uh, paintings is called Evolution, and all it says underneath is "Art is my milk of magnesia, society is my ipecac." <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, and even Larry goes, "Oh dear." <laughs> <laughs> And he runs into Jeff, and, and Jeff doesn't even know what to say. What do you? What do we say? What do we even say about this? Uh, but he also, at the gallery, met a hot real estate agent. Here is the way he is planning on having an affair with her. Uh, <laughs> getting her to show him houses, he is counting as a date. That's how you date her. Uh, she's just doing her job. Jeff will be trying to get his rocks off. Man, um, is it and, any yeah. wonder why Jeff Goldblum got outed as being a shitty person? You mean uh, Jeff? Um, not you said Jeff Goldblum, not. Uh, oh Jeff. my God! What's his real name? <laughs> What's his not real Jeff, name? I Gold, can't. I can only Goldberg? Jeff Green. Gold. Jeff Green. Goldberg Gold. was the show he was on. Yeah, Jeff Garland. Not, Jeff Garland. Garland. <laughs> yeah. You Man, think apologies, to, apologies to Jeff Goldblum. Fuck. Jeff Goldblum <laughs> is fine. America, the world yeah. still loves him. Yeah, uh, America's <laughs> sweetheart, I yeah. guess. Pittsburgh Zone, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> we still love yeah, him. Yeah, no. And of course, <laughs> even when I Google Jeff Green, it comes up. American basketball forward Jeff Green, nicknamed <laughs> Uncle Jeff, is an American professional basketball <laughs> player for the Houston Rockets. Uncle Jeff? Uncle Jeff. <laughs> That's Uncle Jeff, because he's, th- he's 37, I guess. I, I agree with you. No wonder Jeff this. And even though it works, spoiler alert, it still made me feel sorry for women. Because, <laughs> like, he and Larry <laughs> both think this is, they've stumbled upon a Nobel Prize-worthy idea. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't cost you any money. You spend yeah. all day with her. You call her up anytime you see a house for sale, waste her professional time, and you have the potential to have sex with her. Like, yeah, you're, no matter you know these, you're not buying a house. Yeah, these women are, you know, just trying to do their jobs. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, uh, you know, I was like, man, th- women, do have it, women do have it tough. Just after listening to Jeff and Larry's diabolical plan to date 
a, a real estate agent. And, and that's what it took for you to finally <laughs> that's what understand it took that, Tim. <laughs> yeah. See, Curb has done some good in the world. <laughs> but Jeff and <laughs> when he comes over, Jeff and Larry do mock Richard Lewis. He's wearing like, uh, as what they say, uh, something you'd wear to the little drummer boy's funeral. He's got like a like a Sergeant Pepper's, <laughs> but it's all black style coat. And he says he's been he's had it forever. Larry does call him the most pretentious man on the planet or something like that. Larry and Jeff admit they don't understand any of this art. And Richard's like, well, let me show you one that I'm particularly pr- proud of because I just sold it. It's a self-portrait. And Larry thinks it looks like him from 50 years ago, which it does. But Richard Lewis thinks it looks like him now. And yeah, and, and no, <laughs> no, no. The hair's not even gray. Maybe if he had put some gray in the hair and maybe if he thinned it out a little bit. But yeah, this looks like Richard Lewis in like 1970. And I like that. I like the way he and Jeff mock this painting, too, because Jeff's like, I'm going to get you to do a portrait of me. And Larry's like, yeah, maybe you can paint me with hair. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they won't stop giving him shit. Cheryl and Ted are there, and they bring up the news that Funkhauser's nephew, Kenny, died. The guy we like just saw a couple episodes ago. Yeah, he's dead, and here's why. He fell in love with a prostitute, followed her to Spain, did the running of the bulls, and was trampled to death. (laughs) And of course, no one else knows the uh, connection between... (laughs) Kenny and the prostitute and how that came to be, but Larry narrates the entire thing <laughs> because obviously he's the one who put them together. Uh, we know that they don't. Yeah. But he's like, what? I'm just, I'm just putting two and two together. <laughs> I love all the details he has, and everyone's like, that's not two and two. He's like, yeah, you got, you got two, and you got the other two. <laughs> he, he gives every single detail, and is like, what? It's all just circumstantial evidence. We all knew this. Yeah, uh, a lot of details. He knows. Funkhauser shows up, and you know he's, ex- as you might expect, pretty depressed. And this is a weird little nugget they shoehorned into the episode. The Funkhauser calls Kenny the son I never had, although my daughter is transitioning. And I wrote in parentheses here, me, colon, oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm like, this is, there's no way they handle this with tact, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, well, I think you got to look at the show as a whole and Larry as his own thing. Because Larry immediately, oh, he can't, he can't let this slide by. When does she get the penis is his first question. Uh... And, and, and so this is where I think the show... Because Funkhauser is being very supportive. He says, well, she, I forget what he says. I mean, it may not not be as appropriate, but as appropriate as someone Funkhauser's age might say it, she is a he now. So he's telling Larry, oh, sorry, any woke people, but please use the the proper pronouns. He's like, well, she is a he now. So, you know, say he. And and Larry, you know, doesn't deal with that with with the tact that a real non-sociopath might. Yeah. Um, And I, I, instances like this. I, especially, you know, being in the heart of central Texas, you gotta, you gotta like pick your battles with people because you have to tell like, is there, is there a point of view coming from a perspective of not knowing or a perspective of being disgusted or perspective of hate? Because if it's, if it's the former, if it's just not knowing and they're not super informed, that's okay. You know, give them a pass. They're learning. They're trying to learn more information, right? Yeah. But if Marty comes on this episode and says, like, 
it, well, you know, she's a he now. Pfft. Yeah, if it's, yeah. If, it, if, he, if it's said like that, then it's out of hate. Absolutely. And it's so easy to tell these days. That's why I can't understand when sometimes people get offended and you're like, do you really think they did that out of the uh, out of some like th- that they had hate in their heart when they said that? Or you cannot yeah. tell. Can you not tell like a normal human being that they made a mistake just now? And they're trying like it- it's. But most of the time coming from the other side, it's normally, you know, conservatives going uh, the equating the two i have hate in my heart and i dead name people and i use the wrong pronouns and they accidentally use the wrong pronouns uh, and that's the same thing no no it's yeah, not no, it is most no, definitely it's, not it's wildly different <laughs> yeah it's a hundred percent not the same thing like and it's and it is so easy to tell these days where you know where uh where people are coming from you know which is which is very helpful um yeah if, yeah, if they because... don't like tell you within the first three minutes of you meeting them then fuck yeah, you're, you're do, doing something good there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're hanging out with the right crowds then. And I'll even say, I mean, Larry should know better, but he's asking questions that he. I mean, there's like it, it, it. The the scales do tip to wrong, of course. With oh Larry. my god, yeah, very. But quickly. he's asking questions that he wants, like he does want the answers to, but he's not informed enough to ask them yeah. in the right way. I, I guess. And I would say Larry's. At least right here in this scene, uh, Larry's questions are not coming from a place of hate. They're coming from a place of not having the information. Now, is he entitled to that information? No, no. Right. It, it, does he? It, is he required to have that information? <laughs> Absolutely not. But he believes he is in both of those cases. <laughs> he requires it, and he's entitled yeah, to which it. Is, which is. <laughs> <laughs> which is where which is where Larry David uh, becomes very uh, quirky in this whole <laughs> dynamic because his perspective can change into uh, that of hatred very quickly when he doesn't get the oh. information that he wants. And he'll just oh, equate yeah. it with all <laughs> trans people. Yes, you're exactly right. This this could have gone bad if they hadn't moved the subject along. <laughs> yeah, could have very quickly. It, not great. Could have been much worse. I think is perfect way to like sum up this grouping of two minutes on the show. And the and the other problem is he never picks his moments. Like that was not the question to ask right then. Like again, <laughs> we're, we're you know be curious, whatever. But right then was not the time to get into a conversation like that. <laughs> Uh, but that's you know Larry again that, doesn't. There's no yeah, moments. That that being said, I mean he does he does have a a funny line uh, that that I will say is like do do the balls come with the penis? <laughs> yeah. How do they so he just won't stop with the questions? They sew them on. How does that work? <laughs> uh, just go to just wiki. You know Wikipedia is definitely a thing now. Just you know wiki transition trans, transition surgery on your own time, Larry. It's out there. Marty Funkhauser tells Larry, you better be at the memorial. I guess because he's the only other person, I guess besides Leon and SWAT, and the prostitute who know what happened. Funkhauser was there when Kenny was going upstairs with the prostitute, and he was fine with the idea. He's got to keep that a secret as well. Larry asks Cheryl if she noticed the, uh, you know, he runs over there um, and asks her if she noticed the chair disparity in Dr. Templeton's office, and she didn't, but he said, just be aware of it next time. That's all I ask. Cheryl and Ted go off to an early dinner reservation. Uh, Larry says, oh, well, it's great. It's truffle season. 
And Cheryl, Cheryl's almost like a little impressed. Like it seemed like that charmed her a little bit that Larry knew it was truffle season because she was, she's like, how, how did you know that's truffle season? That's not, not anything that you would know. And he's like, Dr. Templeton loves truffle season. He loves truffles. And so Larry uh, heads to the bathroom of the art gallery and a very confusing scene for a few minutes as he cannot get his penis out of his pants. <laughs> Which, okay, this is a very timely, very real fear of mine because I, so yesterday, I, yesterday I just accidentally bought a pair of button fly pants. Oh man, I didn't even know they still made those. <sighs> they do. <laughs> They do. And if you want like the original Levi's 501s, you're going to have a button fly. Apparently. Oh, wow. I kind of like the button fly, but it is. And, and you can sort of like on some of them, I don't know if the 501s, but you can sort of like rip it open, you know, just sort of like <laughs> you pull it. They'll like, thup, 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 you know, they'll all open. And then, you know, I'm just going to have to practice taking my pants on and off. Yeah. Yeah. Just just stand there and just rip them or. Uh, but then putting them back on is always the chore. But that you know, by then you're you're you've had your relief. But <laughs> I, I I did I just like the novelty of the button fly. But it's weird that they it's weird like because no one gets to enjoy it with you. You know you can't like show it off or anything. Like check it out, button fly. Like, I'm not looking like, at your crotch. Yeah. <laughs> Ted, Ted, we're at work right now. What are you doing? <laughs> Won't make that uh, mistake again. <laughs> yeah, but you can. I, here's what always happens to me. Like at work, I always wait so long i'm like and then i realize like oh my gosh i gotta piss like so bad but i'm like all right let me just finish this one thing and then i'll, I'll i won't do it and then someone will come over and talk to me and I, I still have to go and i'm like oh my gosh i gotta go to the bathroom and so but a shirt if it uh, uh, the shirt my undershirt that i have tucked in it sometimes gets in the way of the fly so you have to lift that up and then oh no yeah i'm like oh where is it uh, what's what is this there's no opening here and then i realize it's the shirt <laughs> and it's there's no gate in the shirt What's going on here? There's no penis. What's going on? My penis is gone. <laughs> My penis is gone. <laughs> hey, you just tucked in your shirt. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> it was all smooth down there. I thought it was, uh, I was worried. Uh, yeah, and so I didn't know what was going on until the next scene. I, I guess you're not maybe meant to, uh, but he's explaining to Leon that the fly is too short for him to have proper access. And Leon teaches him what they'll call the tiddlywinks move, where you... And I still didn't really get this. I guess maybe I have to try it myself. But he's like, you push your finger in and, and your dick pops out. I'm like, what? What? I don't I don't know. I guess I have to try it for myself to, to really know what they were talking about. <laughs> uh, the tiddlywinks move. Leon buys his pants special. He's like, maybe they, these pants came from a country where they don't have big penises. I buy my pants special for big dicks because mine is so long that when I sit down, it hangs in the water. Which Larry thinks is preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> but Leon stands by. Jeff comes in the front door because it's just unlocked. Again, fatwa. But, but Leon says we never had this conversation about locking locking the doors. But they definitely did. He's definitely told him, you know, in the last couple episodes, maybe episode two or whatever, that all the doors should be locked. Um, but Leon says they never had the conversation. Jeff gives Larry the advice to go early and get to lunch early with Richard Lewis because he always gets to the restaurant early and takes the good seat and you always end up staring at a wall for the whole lunch whereas he gets to see the whole uh, restaurant. Jeff's plan worked by the way. He has hooked up with this real estate agent. They went to an open house. The house stayed open a little longer so that they could have sex and it's everything Jeff wanted because he brought the cookies from the open house upstairs. They had <laughs> sex in the open house on the staging furniture 
and life is good. I guess we can't, you know, I guess we can't feel too sorry for women because <laughs> the plan worked. Um, so over at Dr. Templeton's, Larry is detailing a nightmare now when the doctor stops him because Cheryl gave the doctor a nice assortment of truffle oils. And he asked Larry, how does Cheryl know that I like truffles? And Larry says, I mentioned it to her. And the doctor says, that is a breach patient doctor confidentiality. And Larry, I, I, I do think he might be right in this case. That Larry, Larry's like, I think he might be mixing up doctor patient confidentiality or patient doctor patient confidentiality, which is really a thing where the doctor can't go around talking about his patients, but the patient is allowed to talk you know, about the doctor, mention the yeah. small talk, yeah, talk about the doctor all they want, <laughs> and even their own information about what they told the doctor. But yeah, yeah any totally small the doctor says. Yeah, totally allowed. That's not, yeah, it doesn't go the other way. Confidentiality doesn't go the other way from the doctor to the patient. It's okay. But this is where the doctor thinks Larry has overstepped. And Larry promises not to do it again. He really makes a show of like reading an official vow that he will never, ever share the information like that again. And the doctor goes, I think we've had a breakthrough. And Larry's like, what? No, that wasn't a breakthrough. What are you talking about? Oh, I think it was a breakthrough. And they argue over He's like, I'm writing breakthrough. <laughs> he's like, writes down breakthrough on his pad, <laughs> which Larry thinks is pointless. He thinks the pad has no, you know, he's maybe not even writing things on it during their session. And he also mentions the short fly on his pants and, you know, wonders if the doctor's had any experience there. But the doctor says he hasn't. But he says, you know, there's a barney's warehouse sale going on they probably have some long fly pants a nice selection of long fly pants for you and the doctor did put a clock on the bookshelf behind the patient that he can view and larry is ecstatic that the doctor has taken some of his advice uh and can now you know now doesn't have to get the fakey yeah yeah watch glance in uh over at rustic canyon which is still at 1119 wilshire boulevard where it's been since december of 2006 uh, dinner is going to run you anywhere from, you know, 20 to 21 bucks for a salad to the $60 pork chop Ugh. plate. Oh my God. It was like $59 for a pork chop. That thing better be thick with two C's for 60 bucks. Like I, I might, I mean, 60 bucks for a steak that, you know, and, and this place does have whatever. It was like 55, 54 for the steak, but I was like 60 bucks for a pork chop. I don't know, but they're not open for lunch. Even though Larry is meeting Richard Lewis for lunch here. They're not open for lunch. They're open from 5 to, to 9 or 9.30, depending on if you're... They close at like 9.30 on the weekends, but they're only open for dinner. Four hours a day. You can make it as a restaurant in Santa Monica for 11 years. Uh, 11 years going strong. But maybe that's why they were able to film there. Either they used to serve lunch or the fact that they didn't serve lunch meant that they could film a lunch there uh, during lunchtime. Larry shows up 20 minutes early to their reservation, and Richard Lewis has already been there for 10 minutes. And of course already positioned himself in the good seat first of all right underneath his self-portrait and second of all facing <laughs> the restaurant and larry throws down the gauntlet for the next lunch because richard like plays it off he's like oh, i got here when i got here come on he's like i got here 20 minutes early they said you've already been here 10 minutes he's like next lunch you better get up at 7 a.m and richard lewis is like oh i'm i'm gonna get up at 6 30 and larry's like i'm gonna be here when the doors open i'm gonna be here before the owner and Richard's like, well, you know what? This place likes me. Obviously, they bought one of my pictures. I'm going to sleep in the kitchen the next time we have a lunch here. Uh, I did like that you know, escalation of, of uh, challenges. And now Larry has to look at the, the giant Richard Lewis self-portrait during his lunch with Richard Lewis. We get a little interstitial here of Jeff having sex in an open house. And then over at 
Jeff's house. Larry and Jeff are talking, and he's talking about how he has had sex in every house on the market in Brentwood. And even driving by a for sale sign now makes him horny. Um, but he needs <laughs> it's a very stylish woman that he's having an affair with, and he feels like he's kind of being left behind style wise. I mean, he's got a nice suit, but it's like four years old. So, uh, you know, he might need some new threads. And Larry mentions the Barney's warehouse sale, but he won't tell Jeff where he heard about it. He is honoring his vow to the doctor. Uh, Susie comes in and she heard from a friend. He's got some explaining to do because she saw you in a car with a woman. And he tells Susie that that woman is a real estate agent and I was buying a house as a surprise for you, which is kind of interesting. Like their only daughter is getting married, yet they're buying like an even bigger house than the one they're in right now. It's like this is normally when people might downsize, you know, or yeah, maybe at least yeah. at least stay in the house that you're in. She buys it, you know, she buys that Jeff was being sweet and was going to surprise her with a, a, a nice new house. Over at Kenny's Memorial, Larry asks an usher for a seat in the back closest to the door. And <laughs> I like the guys. Th- this usher was so funny because he goes, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's not really something we do. And Larry's like, what is it against a policy or something? You guys have a policy. You don't save seats. He's like, well, no, it's. A memorial, and that's just not a part of it. <laughs> I love that he had to explain, uh, you know, proper behavior at a memorial. <laughs> it's like, no, it's that's just not part of it. <laughs> this is a memorial, um, and he won't do it for. Larry tries to grease his palms a little bit, and the guy was like, "This is a five. <laughs> uh, and so Larry tries with a little bit bigger bill, and the usher agrees. Larry says, you know, gives kind of a, a distance as the doctor walks in. He, uh, doctor, do we know his name yet? Doctor Templeton. We uh, must we, have got it do- at some point. We know Doctor Templeton. Um, yeah, because we learned that from Larry, the, gal- the, the gallery. I think. Yeah, yeah. Larry has since learned his first name from Cheryl. I think that's yeah, that's coming up in this same scene at the memorial. Okay, okay. Because um, he does give, you know, he, he says he gives the doctor a hello, but. He kind of gives the doctor kind of gives Larry the cold shoulder. Right, doesn't yeah. give him the the I was, the greeting. I was that, skipping ahead like a minute or two. Yep. Yeah, doesn't give Larry the greeting that he thinks he deserves. And so when he goes over and talks to Cheryl, she you know mentions that he's there because Marty Funkhauser has been seeing that doctor because Cheryl recommended Lionel to Marty Funkhauser, and Larry's like, who's who's Lionel? She's like, that's Doctor Templeton's first name. So we know now his full name, Lionel Templeton. And he wants to know if he got if Larry got a funeral nod or if he's angry about the chair thing that, you know, keeps coming up. Susie and Jeff are walking in and see she is incredulous that, you know, she's like, wow, you're, you're dressing so nicely. This nice three piece thing. It packs you in. It makes you look thinner. You know, um, where, where'd you get it? And and he mentions Barney's warehouse sale. And she's like, how did you know about it? And he's like, Larry told me like, oh, really? How did Larry? So Susie yeah. is incredulous that Jeff knew about it from Larry. Does no one in this fucking universe use the internet? Yeah, is it a secret sale? What's the big deal about a Barney's warehouse sale that no <laughs> one's supposed to know about it? Do they not advertise? Do they like, not put it on any social media? Do they yeah. not send out a fucking email blast? Do they not advertise on local TV or radio or in the newspaper or or billboards or billboards? Or yeah, Barney's warehouse sale. It's 2017. <laughs> it's not 2002. Yeah, like why is no one supposed to know about this giant warehouse sale? A warehouse yes. sounds big to me. It <laughs> yes. sounds like it's going to be a big sale. Sounds like they you're going to be shopping there. at a warehouse. It's why overstock. Say, oh, uh, KTLA. They ran a commercial. 
during the morning show. You know, I watch it every morning. Like, it's just the weird. <laughs> but he is telling the truth. He doesn't have to lie. But what the where, where it could come in, oh, how does Larry know about it? Yeah, right. Larry doesn't consume any media or advertising. Like, what? why is no one supposed to know about this secret warehouse sale? It was the weirdest thing to me uh, as well. I totally agree with you. Um, and Larry makes a big production because they have to find out where Larry found out about it from because it certainly couldn't be, again, any sort of advertising or marketing. And Larry makes a big production because Dr. Templeton is right near them saying that he will not divulge that information because he made a promise and he wouldn't. He will not say, uh, and that makes Susie even more suspicious that Larry will not tell them where he heard about the warehouse sale. But a, a couple seconds later, when Larry has the doctor aside, the doctor is appreciative that Larry did not divulge where he heard about it from and kept his vow of silence and the patient-doctor confidentiality and it mentions that it was a solemn hello. It wasn't a, a cold shoulder hello or or a brush off it was a solemn hello because we are at a memorial service and i didn't want to make a big production um larry asks if he can meet mrs templeton <laughs> and it's at this point that i really liked the name templeton being used because it's just kind of fun it's just a comedic name you it's know? a fun name to say yeah it's a fun name to say over and over again and it's got a great meter to it it's got a great rhythm to it and it's like every time they say it it, it just yeah mrs templeton and well, Mrs. Templeton and Cheryl are very friendly, actually. So Cheryl's gotten to meet Mrs. Templeton, but but uh, Larry is not allowed to. She, I, I think she said expressly that she does not want to meet Larry David. Isn't that what he <laughs> says? I think so, yeah. Which, I mean, you've had... It, you don't have to out anybody that you currently work with or that you've worked with in the past, but I'm sure you've had coworkers that have just been so fucking annoying you've come home and you've told sarah about them and you're like god if we're ever at like a company event if we're ever at a picnic or something i hope i never meet them <laughs> yeah i mean i certainly i can't think of anyone that she's mentioned that i wouldn't want to meet but i don't even know if she pays close enough attention to to know who <laughs> i'm talking about in in each little case because it's not if I was ever to complain, it would never be about one person. It's usually about one little thing. I norm I genuinely normally kind of like everyone that I I work with. It's only I mean, I I can I guess I can think of one person that Sarah does not want to be around that I work with, um, just from the little bit of stories that that she's heard. Yes, yeah. I guess I guess I can see Mrs. Templeton's point here. Uh, and also Larry refers to as they end the conversation. He's like, all right, uh, I'll see you later, Lionel, or something like that. He uses his first name, and, <laughs> and the doctor turns around and asks, you know, can you refer to me as Dr. Templeton? Please continue to refer to me as, as Dr. Templeton. And that's another thing Cheryl can do, call him Lionel, presumably, and she is friendly with Mrs. Templeton that Larry cannot do. Uh, inside, Richard Lewis took Larry's reserved seat. There was a sign on it and everything that he threw on the ground. The sign is written in the Friends font, I noticed. I was like, what? Oh, I didn't even notice that. Really? <laughs> I don't know if it was exactly the Friends font, but it looked like it. It looked like the capital oh FR, but it was like reserved. I was like, I guess it was meant to be that the Usher wrote it in Sharpie or something. And maybe it was like the only handwriting font they found and they didn't realize. But it looked like <laughs> it looked like a show called Reserved, <laughs> written wow. in the Friends font. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't think it was. Maybe it was just a coincidence. But it, yeah, it, it looked weird. And they have a, they start having a large, loud argument, a large argument, 
a loud <laughs> argument in the middle of its memorial service. Larry goes on a distracting search for a seed among the entire crowd. I mean, he's not even making, he's not even trying to be quiet about it. He's like walking up and down the aisle and like full Is this voice. seat taken? Is it, is this, yeah. are you holding this for somebody? Is this seat taken? And like, yeah, to volume. Jeff, you didn't, re- you didn't save a seat for me. You didn't tell me to save a seat for you. Yeah. And again, and so it's a memorial. It's not a movie. Yeah, it's a more and it's going on. It has started. There's someone saying like a traditional <laughs> prayer like at the front. It is going on. But I did like when Larry walks by and says hello to Mrs. Templeton and the doctor goes, "Do not address Mrs. Templeton." That was another fun. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Mrs. That Templeton. was really good. Uh do Larry, do not address Mrs. Templeton. <laughs> do not address. Saying do not address instead of don't talk to is just 10 times funnier. Do not address Mrs. Templeton. And then to Ty- add the the Templeton voice, name to it, it just made it such a funny line. <laughs> Tired. Larry, don't speak to my wife. Wired. Yeah. Larry, do not address Mrs. Templeton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it's like the Winnie the Pooh in a tuxedo is do not address Mrs. Templeton. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Don't talk to my wife is the, yeah, the regular Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Marty Funkhauser gets up to begin speaking about Kenny, and he does acknowledge Joey, formerly Jody, who is in the audience. Uh, so I guess Maya and Bialik is no longer available to be on the show. And they, instead of recasting Jody, because it's obviously a character we can't do without, <laughs> um, yeah. they, they recast. Obviously, Marty Funkhauser's daughter, the, yeah. the character that we see all the time. We, we yeah. can't possibly just recast the character. But no, you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give him props for this. Because, again, it's 2017. They're incorporating, you know, more elements of modern age you know like why yes. why don't we have a trans character on the show yeah right why not see how curb deals with this we'll uh we'll we'll follow them on this thin ice for a little bit <laughs> we'll <laughs> the see thinnest if this... <laughs> ice imaginable yeah. yes we'll see we'll see as the season progresses if it even comes like, up again <laughs> it's like whenever the temperature dips just below 32 degrees and you've yeah. got a puddle in your driveway it is the thinnest ice imaginable <laughs> yeah yeah or there's a pond and like you can tell it's kind of around the edges where it's really shallow it's frozen but but in you can the tell middle the deep you're not so is, sure yeah, yeah. The deep part is definitely like still flowing water. Like that's where we are. <laughs> <right now. laughs> um, yeah. And will this even come back up again? I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Larry admonishes. So he does finally find a seat. And I did crack up at this. Like he, again, loudly admonishes a loud crier. He's being louder than her crying at a memorial. Uh, but he's like, oh, come on. Come on. Keep it down. Can you do a whimper? Come on. <laughs> and the woman is trying to you know, concede to him like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it, it is a memorial. <laughs> uh, I did find this kind of funny. <laughs> uh, I did like their interaction. But it's at this point that Larry sees an Arab looking man kind of peer down from the balcony and then downstairs, he's only got one arm in his jacket and then the other side is like very lumpy uh, that he doesn't have his arm through the other side of the jacket. And Larry, uh, and, and then he even nods in Larry's direction like, yes. And Larry jumps up and yells, Fatwa, he's got a gun. And it causes a huge, just mass exodus, a riot among the, uh, the, the memorial goers. And it's only, it was only this morning <laughs> that I again read the title Running, of the Bull, Running with the Bulls that this was supposed to be, because they even trample a picture of Kenny that had been yeah. knocked over 
at the memorial. It was only this morning that I realized the parallel between uh, the way he died and then what happened at his memorial. I'm sorry I missed that joke. It just went right over my head. Uh, but yeah, the, the mob is trampling everybody. And the guy was nodding at somebody who was saving a seat for him. He's yeah, like, it's, and I, it's just- I, I loved like only in the shot of Larry yelling Fatwa is a wide shot that we see the guy maybe like two or three people away from him holding up his hand saying, hey, yeah, buddy, I'm over here. Hey. <laughs> I, got your, I got your seat for you. Yeah, uh, but it does just go to show how on edge everybody is around Larry. Like, even they think the fatwa could happen at any second because of the madness that, <laughs> that it caused. Uh, just, well, that is, just that they, little thing caused. Are they on edge because it's Larry and he yelled fatwa, or are they on edge because he yelled, he's got a gun? That could be, yeah, that could be part of it, too. It could be a little bit I, of both. Because I think that's a very general fear to have. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. He's got a gun. I don't, I don't think you need to know Larry David to, <laughs> to, 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 run, um, to run away afraid if someone yells, he's got a gun. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Um, yeah, and so, and the guy doesn't even have a gun, obviously. It's just no. a guy with a broken arm and a sling. That's why he couldn't, that's why it looked like he was hiding something under his jacket. And Larry gives one of his classic, sorry. <laughs> to uh, Marty Funkhauser for ruining Kenny's memorial with a stampede over at a house, uh, you know, the house for sale where Jeff was having sex with the real estate agent. Susie is touring it uh, all just to keep up the guys again that there's nothing, uh, nothing funny going on, that this is just a real estate agent that but Susie, you know, I mean, I guess because of Larry's caginess about the sale is very suspicious about what's been going on. And they go upstairs to, you know, the bedroom and uh, that's where Susie decides we'll take it, even though Jeff, you know, is trying to. It's out of our price range. Like we can't. They're firm on that. And she's like, we'll take it. And the real estate agent goes sold. <laughs> so maybe in the end, Ted, this woman was taking advantage of Jeff when we ah. thought. Wow, I guess we're the sexist ones. I guess, I guess women so. have it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Um, I, I think she got the best of Jeff at the end of this, and maybe she was using him a little bit, whereas he thought he was, you know, he, uh, he thought he had the goose that go- laid the golden eggs. Yeah, and okay, I I do have a problem with, like, this scene here. Like, I get, like, we'll get inevitably the comment of, like, it's a funny show, like, it's supposed to not make sense. <laughs> uh, like, how does Susie just know? Like that's very it's very lazily put together that Susie just all of a sudden knows. Yeah. Because I think, yeah. Y- you're telling me in the city of Los Angeles, <laughs> the first house she tours with the first real estate agent just happens to be the one that her husband was sleeping with. Did we miss like again, Larry, uh, Jeff also could have found a different real estate agent. Yes. Like, you could have just found another female real estate agent, and then they go look at a house, and they don't buy it. Or, and, like, show them a shitty house, too. Like, that was a really nice house. Why not show them the worst house that you saw? But I guess you would want to see all of them and go, oh, no, but what else were you looking at? You know, you obviously looked at more than one. Um, yes. He's yeah. been all over. He's told her he's been yeah, all over. every house in Brentwood. Yeah. Take her to one that's really nice, but too far away from everybody. You know? Yes. Like, that's another option. And how does she just know that he's having an affair or that he had an affair there? Both. Both you think is are weird? very yeah. fair points. I, my guess is that Susie's the kind of person that's like, her hunches are, 
And in this case, very correct. Like, if she has a hunch about Jeff, it has been correct in the show, I think. I, I think she's I guess, very intuitive. Like, <laughs> uh, again, we, we talked about, like, thin ice, and we talked about fine lines. And, uh, yeah. again, the whole, like, it's a funny show. You're not allowed to critique. That's right. It. Right. <laughs> but well, there's uh, a very fine line yeah. between Susie having a hunch and being omniscient. Like, yeah. <laughs> like th- this is crossing level of, like, oh, Susie just knows all. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i i guess you know she she did she does have eyewitness account of jeff being with some attractive woman and i i guess it just comes down to her intuition again and just being that sure of it and and even if she's wrong she gets a boss new house you know <laughs> even if um you know even if even if jeff isn't doing anything they they move into an amazing new mansion i guess whether or not that actually happens in the next episode and jeff is living in this house i don't remember we'll just have to see <laughs> um but yeah they're they're moving though and uh yeah so and i guess that's all it takes to i mean i didn't know that that it's like a magical word saying we'll take it and then the the real estate agent goes sold and like you yeah, can't go it. back on that is that that's it? it there's no no <laughs> paperwork no six weeks of inspections no no mortgage uh pre-approvals or anything (laughs) nope that's done what's done is done we'll take it and sold that's all it takes Uh, there's some sitcom i can't sitcom or cartoon maybe i can't remember what it was it's like uh in a courtroom of like but i've already banged the gavel i think it is a simpsons thing yeah (laughs) So over at Moss Brothers, which is a real UK-based suits and formal wear store, but I found a really interesting story about this exterior because I could not find that they had any Moss Brothers locations in Los Angeles. In fact, when you look, when you Google Moss Brothers Los Angeles suit store or whatever, you get some like shady looking like Bob's men's and boys wear or whatever. (laughs) And it's like some, you know, and it's in like some dumpy strip mall and like some random section of, and I was like, well, that's not obviously what we're looking at here. And what this is, this exterior is from one of the Moss brothers stores in Cardiff, Wales. Oh, they use an exterior from like actually from one of their UK stores. And I found an article about it in Wales. Yeah, it, it looked totally like L.A. Um, <laughs> and but people from Wales, obviously, when they saw this episode, this is from the 27th of October, 2017. People in Cardiff knew they were like, wait, that's not L.A. That's the Moss Brothers, like uh, in, in a section, in a shopping area called the Hayes. And so the way uh, they, they actually reached out to let me see um, Jeff Schaefer, one of the producers of the episode. And he jokingly said, here's what he told BBC Radio Wales. Good evening, Wales was the show. Larry and Brian are great actors. And you just say, you know, this scene needs a special stock shot. They show you the L.A. stock shots. Oh, damn it. This thing just reloaded again. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, oh, they show you the L.A. stock shots and you say no. They show you the London ones and you say no. The Manchester, no. Swansea, no. You finally say, bring me the Cardiff stock shots. And then, you know, because only the Cardiff stock shots will start a scene that's as special as the final scene of a show. Um, that was his joke answer. He said he really didn't know that that Cardiff would be shown until the program aired on TV. And uh, let me see. The Hayes stood in for the swanky shopping districts of California. And let me see. Uh, Jeff said, I'm from Ohio, which I think is the Wales of the United States. So I completely understand <laughs> that people would find it so funny that we use 
they used a shot of Wales to fill in for Los Angeles. But here's what really happened. He got straight. Enough with the joking, Ted. He got straight to the to the answer. We shoot our show entirely on location, meaning if we're at a furniture store, we go to a furniture store. And that day, we were starting at a furniture store and moving to three other locations, so we had to be in and out very quickly. All of our trucks are in front of the store, so we can't shoot the front of the furniture store because all the camera trucks are there. Also, where the furniture store was is a fairly dismal stretch of West Los Angeles that was not going to be very cinematic. And when the team were editing the shots, they needed something that looked like sunny L.A. that also had a furniture store in it. And after looking at a few <laughs> options, they decided that Cardiff was by far the best. Adding, Dang. you guys should be very proud. Well, I, uh, I'm i glad we had this uh, bit of a, a dive on it because I want to give a shout out to Nate Collins over on our Patreon who commented this on our episode for the bisexual last season who said in season nine, there's an exterior shot that is actually from my town, Cardiff, Wales. What? So I wouldn't worry too much about getting info on everywhere. He knew. He knew. He knew this whole time. <laughs> he knew. No. And he <laughs> let us discover it. Yeah, shout out to Nate Collins. I mean, then again, he didn't say what episode it was or what store it was supposed he to knew be. That so we would dig it up. He knew that that I, you <laughs> he, know, he knew that I'm voracious about finding every location. <laughs> well, he said that in response to um, oh, something. I, it had to have been something with Ari's autonomics talking about. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or what or the uh, yeah. the uh, yeah, like what is on Larry's softball jersey or something? Because yeah. he said like, so I wouldn't worry about getting info on everywhere, <laughs> but we did, Nate. We did. Yeah, I will always do my best to track it down. <laughs> and the fact that that's been very well documented that it's it's funny that people in Cardiff freaked out about it so much that they wrote, you know, it made the news. <laughs> They're like, we were on curb last night. Oh my gosh, Cardiff was on curb. We never expected it to be there, but there it I is. Mean, I mean, to be fair, like anytime any place in Western Pennsylvania is even mentioned in speech, let alone someone being from there, yeah. me watching that show is literally the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time yeah. in Hollywood. It's like, oh my God, I know that place. Yeah. I've been there. Um, <laughs> but it's funny that Moss Brothers is also not a furniture store. They're like, yeah, we needed the exterior of a furniture store. So we picked a suit store, you know, uh, and it is inside this exterior that is not L.A. where Larry and Dr. Templeton are chair shopping. He actually took Larry up on his invite to go chair shopping and they find, you know, they send a couple. They're trying them all out They're, You know, this one's no good. Oh, this is OK. This is kind of a rocker. I, I don't know about that. Let's try. They end up finding the perfect chair, which the doctor implies that Larry will be buying for him. Which because, I don't think he's wrong in doing because yeah. Larry wanted to take him shopping. Yeah. If someone invites you shopping like that, where an item is going to go... I, yeah, I, I think he's like, anytime you want to go chair shopping, you give me a call. Yeah, I mean, like, it was very specific. Like, I will go chair shopping with you. We'll find a good chair for you. Yeah, it was... And, and Larry's like, do you expect me to pay for this and the doctor then goes we're out of time for today and then just kind of walks off and like and says like <laughs> uh, thanks larry thanks for the chair you know just to really drive home the point that he's buying the other chair and that is when frolic starts to play and that's the end of the episode do we think larry is buying the chair my guess is oh, no. no absolutely <laughs> not but then again if we you know are back in dr templeton's office I don't know, in a couple of episodes, and he's got a new chair. I, I would assume that it's Larry. What I would do if I was as petty and rich as Larry 
I would buy the chair and bring it with me to every session. <laughs> I would get Leon to help me cart it up the that steps and cart it back really good, down. Yeah. <laughs> I would buy a pickup truck just for that purpose. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's not like Larry's a billionaire or anything. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hell, I mean, he, he, I mean, I, I could see him using Leon to save a few bucks and also make Leon kind of earn his keep a little bit. But also, he could hire a mover to do it each time. Like <laughs> every week, I need you to meet me an hour before my appointment. We're gonna take the chair to the doctor to the doctor's office, bring it upstairs. You wait there for fifty minutes, and then you bring it back to my house afterwards. <laughs> Easy three hours of work for that. Mover. I could see him being that petty, and and I would love it honestly. I would think that's hilarious if if he actually did that. <laughs> but I think this may be the last we see Doctor Templeton. If I was gonna, <laughs> if I was a betting man, that's actually what I'd bet on. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we got for homework this week, Tim? Uh, I wrote down, is Richard Lewis a painter? And that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I, I, don't, I thought there was one okay. other little thing, but no, I think that's it. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the episode, but Jeff's orgasm toes were pretty <laughs> were pretty funny for as short as that scene oh, was. God. But I, but I don't think it'd be a good episode art. I mean, it would, but it also wouldn't. I mean, um, we, we made uh, Susie's orgasm face a couple uh, of <laughs> I think. Now we've seen the Greens' orgasms from each side of their body. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, um, I, 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 like mean, the, I yeah. like the visual of like everyone trampling the photo of Kenny. I was just about to say, Kenny's picture on the floor and a bunch of feet all over it or whatever is pretty good. Uh, also, uh, a different photo of Kenny from like outside of the memorial. How did they get the photo of him before running with the bulls like he's in a traditional like very like running with the bulls outfit yeah the white and the red bandana yeah (laughs) and very much alive like who took that photo how did they get that and who determined that it was good to put the photo 30 minutes before he died (laughs) on display pictures taken (laughs) moments before disaster (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird thing to, you know, but because <laughs> there's no, maybe they're trying to, uh, you know, ascribe some honor to the death, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and also, I would guess was, that. What, yeah. what was the, what was the prostitute's name? Uh, I don't Do you remember. remember. Was she at the Did, memorial? I, I don't even know if we, I didn't see her. That would have been funny though. It would have been very funny if she was there. Oh, Paula. Paula. Just found it. So yeah, Paula we'll the if, prostitute. Yeah, Paula the prostitute. I wonder if she was at the memorial or not. But all right, I'll, I'll see if I can make <laughs> one of those work. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had Larry's therapist accuses him of overstepping, comma Susie grows suspicious of Jeff, and Larry bribes an usher at a funeral. All right. Is the first one okay? Yeah, I I, I like that because that happens, and you know it leads. Yeah, it's into only one of many. Yeah, it's only one of many problems that Larry has with his therapist in this episode. But you could say he oversteps with the sharing of the information. He oversteps with the with Mrs. Templeton, you know. So I, I guess that's not so bad. Susie is suspicious of Jeff. I, I think we can make that better. Like, yeah, like you said at the beginning, that's very hilarity in Sue's. Yeah, because when does that not happen? Exactly. Every episode, she's like, "You two idiots are up to something." So. What about, like, Jeff, I'm, I know this is wordier, which we don't normally like to do, but just as a jumping off point, like, Jeff uh, tries to hide his affair with a real estate agent. Yeah. Or what? Or Jeff hides his affair with a real estate agent. Well, let's not even say 
real estate agent. Just say Jeff tries to hide an affair. Yeah, Jeff. Well, I mean, from that you can because affair is secret, just by definition. I mean, you can almost pare it down again to Jeff has an affair, <laughs> and again we're back to <laughs> hilarity ensues. <laughs> it does happen quite a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. What about like Jeff's affair with a real estate agent? Blah blah blah. Getting Jeff's pretty affair. long at that point. It is. Jeff hides an affair. I guess it's not so bad. I mean, it, it is sort of redundant. I guess that's my only problem with it. Jeff's affair. Comes blah blah to blah. Light. Jeff's affair. See, that's kind of a tough one to not make it generic. You know, it's like how do you how do you pull the plot into it? Like, what about Jeff? discovers a new way to have an affair something but something more specific than that you know jeff breaks a fairground <laughs> wait what a fairground that sounds jeff like breaks... he, it sounds like he got on a ferris wheel and yeah. it broke down um jeff's jeff's affair breaks new ground <laughs> i mean that, that almost plays into the buying a new house pun because what do you do you break ground on yeah new construction i actually kind of like that jeff's affair, jeff's affair breaks, breaks new ground, ground. there we right. go I, I think that's not bad. <laughs> it's, Do we just want I mean, to keep it at those two then? Larry's, the therapist acu- Larry's therapist accuses him of overstepping and Jeff's affair breaks new ground. But Jeff's the last affair breaks new ground. The last one of what we had was Larry bribes an usher at a funeral. Super important plot point there. Absolutely. Yeah. You could say like Larry's anxiety follows him to a memorial, something like that. But But even that, yeah, maybe we don't even need the memorial. I don't think we do. No, I think you're right. But that's, you know, the description that we could come up with. Tim, do we want to see what AI is able to do? Yes, let's do curb your enthuse AI-ism. And here's the prompt <laughs> that I put into chat GPT. Write an accurate synopsis of episode four of season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Running with the Bulls. What actually happens in that episode that aired October 22nd, 2017? <laughs> in Running with the Bulls, Larry becomes embroiled in an unusual arrangement when he starts dating the sister of a man who has kidney disease and is in need of a transplant. Larry contemplates the ethics of his newfound relationship as he grapples with the pressure to donate a kidney. Additionally, he faces discomfort at a dinner party where he meets an abrasive celebrity chef who further complicates his life with his uncompromising attitude. Amidst these challenges, Larry's signature social faux pas and misadventures lead to comedic confrontations and misunderstandings. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never really understood what it felt like to be uh, my English teacher whenever I would turn in book reports after not reading the book. I know exactly how that feels now. Now we know. <laughs> now we know. I'm like, because it's, it's just the idea of where did you get that information? That's so wildly not what happens. <laughs> I mean, just like every episode, it does have kernels of things that did happen in Curb, like the whole kidney thing. Like that that was a whole season long story arc. Yeah, but yeah. he wasn't dating Richard Lewis's sister. Do we even know if Richard Lewis has a sister? No. There was a dinner party where they were thinking of hiring what you might consider a celebrity chef at Ted Danson's place. And Larry thought the dinner was kind of meh. But the chef didn't have an uncompromising attitude that challenged that complicated larry's life (laughs) so yeah (laughs) wrong again on all counts nothing that one's rough (laughs) nothing resembling this episode at all i was hoping at least it would say larry goes to spain and runs with the bulls 
or but no, something, we didn't even get something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Tim, did you like this episode? Eh, you know what? Just to to take Larry's line about the the chef again, I, I got to give this a meh. I thought it was kind of a below average episode for whatever reason. There were some funny lines in it, but I think this suffered from maybe not as egregious as as some other episodes, but the storylines being a little too fantastical and also not coming together in a very satisfying way. They're all just sort of happening. You know, the the therapist is bringing a lot of them together, but then there, you have them like we even we even cut a whole storyline out of the synopsis because it really doesn't have any bearing on the episode except Larry ruins a a social event. And so the fact that that Funks that Kenny died and we had that memorial didn't even really have much to do with the episode. It was kind of a filler episode for me. What did, what do you think? Yeah, it was it was a very okay episode. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't great, it, but it wasn't bad. It was it was a middle of the road episode. Yeah, yeah. I I can't even give it. I'd love to find my because it's been very helpful to have the bellwether of this was the most average episode of the whole season. If anything, it was the last episode that did that for me. But I gave that a star low. I didn't even give it my star bell curve. Here's my average episode because uh, I was above average. This if there was if there was something below star average that's what this would be but i think it's just going to be a, a non-mentioner when we get to the end of the season it, it was below yeah, average for me yeah i don't think either of us are going to be bringing up this episode again towards the yeah. end of the season <laughs> all right next week we have got season nine episode five thank you for your service original air date october 29th 2017 and if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry commits a faux pas with Sammy's fiance and tries to start over with his mail carrier and golf club security guard. Okay, they actually used faux pas this time. <laughs> like, they did. <laughs> maybe that's where chat, why chat GPT loves it so much. Uh, so we could probably make that part better. But I do like the second part. Larry tries to mend his relationship with two different people. So we're pulling in two plot lines there that yeah. presumably are going to have nothing to do with each other. But we'll see, I guess. Um. All right, uh, and I wonder if the Broken Lizard guys will return for to be golf golf security guards oh, or whatever. Oh, I forgot but that. Was I guess them. they weren't really security guards. They were more like where you like store. They were like the storage guys. I don't know what you yeah. call it. Um. Yeah. So we'll, we'll. It'd be cool to see them again though, because they're actually famous now that it's 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be really awesome if they reprise those roles. All right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good!